Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. I think most of you know Lee Howell. He's been here for, how long have you guys been here now? About a year? A little over a year. Uh, this is a man that is not ashamed of the gospel. Um, he has a wonderful testimony. I've only heard part of it, so I'm looking forward to hearing everything today. Uh, but I believe, I, of course, we all believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe in the sovereignty of God, and I believe that God had this day planned long ago. I do. I do. And so, Lee, just share with us what's on your heart. As, as Mike said, some some of my testimony, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, to think. I could, well, it's kind of hard to think that everybody would sit here through everything, even even as great as it is. Uh, God's, man, God's been good. He's been good to me. He's been good to my family. Uh, today, I I don't want to. I don't want to glorify me. I don't want everybody to think, wow, he's a good guy. Um, I've been a bad guy. Um, I don't think I'm a bad guy now. But uh, uh, really just kind of focus on on our testimony. And uh, it's not all my testimony today. There's, there's a couple other stories in, in there. Um, but primarily focusing on, on our testimony and how important it is to share it and how effective it is to share it. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2 says, Therefore we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So I'll start out, uh, like I said, not necessarily with, uh, with my testimony, but we'll, we'll work into it. Uh, I want to start out with a with a story and uh, in, a, in a small town in the United Kingdom January the 6th in 1850 there was a 15 year old boy walking to church there was a snowstorm hit and it forced that young man into a, uh, a small Methodist church <clears throat> there the pastor had also been knocked out of church because of the snowstorm. And uh, the story tells a reluctant layman came up and he read this scripture. Isaiah 45, verse 22. says, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. The reluctant lay preacher looked directly at the young boy that had been forced in. And he said, Young man, look to Jesus Christ. Look, look, look. You have nothing to do but look and live. The young boy in this story is the prince of preachers, or known as the prince of preachers. 
and is credited as the most read Christian author in history. That day, young Charles Spurgeon wrote this in his journal. I saw at once the way of salvation, like the brazen serpent that was lifted up, and all the people had to do was look and be healed. And so it was with me. Brings me to my first point today. Leading people to Christ is not reserved for the ordained. It's the responsibility of everyone who believes. I felt like there were some pretty interesting aspects to the Charles Spurgeon story. Uh, a, it was in a Methodist church, so you got to chew on that. But uh, it was a uh, it was a reluctant layman. I've already got the look from my wife. But uh, it, it was a reluctant layman. Most likely, he had not prepared uh, to present a message that day. So. Um, you know, imagine if you were the preacher that had preached the message and Charles Spurgeon was telling everybody that, well, yes, I was at so-and-so's church and he gave the message and, you know, it would just, your head would inflate. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it, it's really neat to see how God can orchestrate things uh, like Charles Spurgeon's story in a way that's going to glorify him the most. And uh, you know, I think you see that in that story. So uh, when we make plans, that should always be a consideration. Uh, you know, if we want something to be effective, um, if we we want things to, to please God, um, we have to look at things and make sure that they don't glorify ourselves. Uh, and that's something I don't want to ever do is, is glorify me. <clears throat> Remember our very purpose on this planet. The only reason that we exist is to glorify God. One way we are to glorify God is through our testimony. Sharing your testimony is the most simple and effective way to lead people to Christ. Many times in the Bible, believers use their testimony to lead others to faith in Christ. Everyone knows the Saul to Paul conversion, the salvation account. Saul was one of Christianity's nastiest enemies and a powerful it's a powerful story and a useful teaching tool but we have to be careful not to neglect our own stories uh, so let's see what Peter has to say about sharing our testimony in 1st Peter chapter 3 verse 15 it says but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord is holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So, first question today is, are, are you prepared to share your testimony? I like the five P's. Prior, preparation, prevents, for, performance. So, it's just something you need to think about. I'll admit I've not always been prepared to share my testimony and I've, I've been caught off guard and I've, I've failed uh, to, to effectively share my testimony at times where it could have been uh, very effective for somebody. Uh, another important note is before you will be asked for a reason for the hope that they see in you 
they'll have to see hope in you. So put in another way, in order for someone else to see you as a Christian, worthy of asking you to hear your story, you will have to see yourself as a Christian with a story worth telling. If you can't see yourself as a Christian, how in the world would someone else? So today I want to look at how we identify ourselves. And maybe ask the question, have you ever thought about how you identify yourself? I've failed to find my identity in Christ in the past. And one of my biggest failures as an early parent is trying to identify my family as all these things that we would do. I've identified us as soccer people, uh, basketball people, Jeep people. Um, you know, you get a kid that starts in a sport and you think, man, we're, we're gonna be basketball people. And you know, you, you start to assign that identity to to you and your family. Um, I do I do regret the days that I haven't just simply identified us as obedient Christ followers. <clears throat> All these things, they're not they're not bad, but we have to be careful how we do identify ourselves. We can't let things identify us. In order to have a relationship with God, he will have to be part of your identity. <laughs> So a few questions here. How how do you identify yourself? I've already asked that question, but you know, really look at it. What what stickers are on your car? What does your t-shirt say? What stories do you tell when you're out amongst the world? What jokes do you tell? What kind of music do you listen to? An interesting question that popped up to me was, what what would I see if I spent a day just watching me? I think, I'd, li I'd like to challenge everybody this week, maybe Monday or Tuesday or, or all week, spend a, spend a day looking at yourself, not like in the mirror, but at all the things you do and all the things you say, and, and try to decide if the, identi the identity that you have, is that, is, that an, is that the identity that I want? A, and B, um, is that the identity that God would, would want for me to have? Is, is my identity pleasing to God? But before preparing for this, I'd never really thought about the word reflection. And uh, uh, so we'll look at a couple of definitions of reflection. Uh, first one, an image seen in a mirror or a shiny surface. Pretty true. A thing that is a consequence or arises from something else. This is a little deeper if you think about it. Uh, this one caught me off guard. A, a thing bringing discredit to someone or something. So, in looking at our reflection, is there anything that I reflect that discredits me? You know, would, it, would I be able to speak to somebody that, you know, I had spent the prior week with about God? Would, would they listen to me? Last, last but not least, an idea about something, especially one that is written down or expressed. 
So unless you've made the paper in the last few weeks, we can kind of lean more on the express part. So does your identity express your love for God and appreciation for what Jesus has done for you? If you get technical, everything we see is a reflection. Everything seen is a reflection. If it doesn't have a reflection, in our eyes, we cannot see it. And unless we can touch it, smell it, or taste it, how can we determine that it's real? I'll avoid jokes about Baptists trying to taste salvation. But point, point two, everyone needs to come to the realization that God wants you to share your story. Everyone here that claims to be a Christ follower, take a second and read the statement on the screen. As an obedient Christ follower, I understand it is my responsibility to share my testimony any and every opportunity I'm given. You're, you're always afraid to ask for audience participation, but uh, we'll, we'll go out on a limb today. Uh, I'd like for us all to read that together out loud. If you want to follow along with me. As an obedient follower of Jesus Christ, I understand it is my responsibility to share my testimony and any and every opportunity I'm given. <clears throat> I messed that up to make sure everybody else was comfortable. <laughs> if if you if if you do not agree with this, you probably need to read the New Testament. So at at this point, I I'll get into my testimony. Um, I was raised in a in a Christian family. We went to a Baptist church, the same Baptist church, um, pretty much my whole childhood. Uh, I was Bible school saved, you know, like a lot of us, uh, rushed through, counted, dipped, and uh, we ate real good afterwards. But uh, I believe a lot of my motivation in, in those early years was just to please people. You know, a, a child has a natural desire to, to please their parents. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of ingrained in us in, in creation, you know, we... Once we're saved, we, we want to please our Father in heaven. Um, but uh, I was. I, I was I was a little people pleaser. My uh, my sister used to make fun of me, and she called me perf. And, uh, you know, back then, before remote controls, Dad would say when the channel needed to be changed or when it needed to be turned up, so I was the remote control. And, uh, uh, you know, just little things that you... You start to find your value in, um, you know, I had, uh, uh, I kind of attest that to, to why I had uh, uh, thought I was, thought I was saved because I, everybody was happy with me. Uh, but by age 17, I had made some significant mistakes. Uh, a lot of years had passed by and, and God just wasn't on my mind. Uh, I had all these other things that I had to do because I might not have the chance again. I was eat up with the fear of missing out. Uh, the world wants you to think that you're gonna miss something 
by not doing what everybody else is doing. That's a lie and a trap from Satan. The devil wants you to think that your youth is fleeting, vanishing, this vanishing thing, and if you don't do things, you'll never have the chance again. Adam and Eve were also eat up with the fear of missing out. In 1997, at age 17, after three weeks of heavy conviction, I responded to an altar call. It was a very real experience. Um, it checked all the boxes. I had pounding heart rate. I was scared. I didn't want to go to hell. Um, all those things that, you know, you, you hear in the checklist. Um, the next 17 years of my life, I was pretty much a hypocrite. It's about as bad as it could be. I was, uh, and I was still a people pleaser. I was chasing the world's definition of success. And that, that's still something that I'm, I'm toiling with. It's like, really, what, what does success mean? Uh, what, I think I got a pretty good idea now. And, the, and it doesn't have anything to do with the cars I drive, the house I live in, what my yard looks like, or, or any of those things. But uh, I, I was suffering from checklist Christianity. Uh, and share my testimony I, I prefer not to get into the filth uh, the story of Lot's wife tells us not to look back on the past days you know, the past sinful days because uh, you know, we can start reliving those and telling those stories but uh, I would be lying if I didn't tell you that a, a lot of the sinful things I did I enjoyed them at, a, at the time uh, but I guess the the biggest thing was during that time I definitely did not lead anyone to Christ and God definitely was not happy with the life I was living so, it, so it's important for us to understand when we tell others that we're saved that we believe on or in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior that we must live that out in our lives <laughs> I believe many are deceived when they put more weight into the action of repeating a prayer than they do the gravity of the meaning of the words they actually spoke. The Bible tells us that it is not what goes into our mouths that will defile us, but what comes out of our mouths. The words Lord and Savior, if he's going to be your Lord, it's going to require submission and sacrifice on your part. If he's going to be your savior, it's going to require faith. We need to be careful not to enter, not to ever speak empty words. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Otherwise, we can do more damage to the Christian faith than the professed Satan worshiper or atheist. I can say that because I've seen it firsthand. Plenty of those from my past are still unsaved. I have to ask myself, if when they knew me in the past, if I had if I had been glorifying God with my life, would would they now have a relationship with Christ instead of a diminished view of Christianity? If I had witnessed to them instead of following them down the wide, easy path of sin, would they now be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and multiplying our efforts to save the lost? Likely my closest friend in my adult life is lost. He, he was a friend I could go party with, 
and hang out with when I was tired of maintaining my checklist Christianity. We're still friends. But, and, and my identity is clear to him. I, I've been praying for him since 2014 that his heart would be softened and his ears would be opened. Much like the story of the layman's message that reached Charles Spurgeon, I don't think God will let me, will, I don't think God will use me to be there that, the day that he, he's brought to salvation. But uh, I can keep plant, planting the seeds and I can serve as an example of, of someone who has had true change in their life that he can see. Um, when God does decide to soften his heart, open his ears, and let him come to Christ, then I'll still be there, you know, to help and guide him along. But 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. At age 17, that would be in 1997, I had not become a new creation. I had become more like two creations. I was like the seed choked out by the weeds in the Sower's parable in Matthew 13. When I think about the little plant that sprung up, Maybe it was a, you know, a blade or a stem. Initially, it probably shot up. It was kind of clear, you know. The, the weeds probably weren't as big. You know, they, they hadn't choked it out yet. But uh, there, there comes a point when the weeds will outgrow the new tender plant. And uh, once, once we can no longer see the sun, and you can read that S-O-N or S-U-N. We'll, we'll die out. And uh, so it's, you know, the saddest part about when, you know, the, the seeds that were choked out by the weeds is as those seeds died, as they, as they returned back to the ground, just like everything else in creation does. If you look at the cycle that God put in place, everything returns to the ground. We return to the, our bodies, return to the ground. Um, but you know that that little seedling that didn't make it, it returns to the ground, and what it does is it feeds the weeds. The weeds, the weeds can grow stronger because of the decomposition of that little plant. And uh, that was pretty much where my my salvation had went. You know the the, the checklist that I had. Um, I was just feeding the weeds. We have to understand clearly that there's no natural, no neutral ground. If, if you're allowing yourself to be choked out by the weeds, you will soon be the nutrients taken up by those weeds to further their efforts instead of God's efforts. The weeds are sins allowed to remain in our lives after the seed is planted. Sin must be uprooted and removed from your life. It's easy to clean up the surface. It requires work and discomfort to get to the roots. I had an example. I wanted to take a, a deeper look at sin, and it's, it's just something that, that gets on my mind a lot. Uh, we can all agree that killing a baby is wrong. That's pretty easy. 
Uh, but we have to really dig down into the roots to try to pull them out. The, the issue of abortion, the issue of abortion for the most part disappears when you eliminate sex outside of marriage. It's, it's easier to blame politics and other people. One man, one woman. Well, I think of the, all the birds killed with that one stone to just eliminate sex outside of marriage. So I guess what I'm saying is if, if you're shacking up, it's gonna be hard for you to find assurance in your salvation. But to get back on track, you know, thank the Lord that somebody kept planting seeds. Kept spreading seeds because what I had at age 17 was not salvation. And that's been hard for me to admit. You know, you, you, you want that to be the story. But I do now because I don't want anyone to live the, the, the next 17 years that I lived confused and doubted my salvation. In 2014, at age 34, I was at a, a Christian Crossfire basketball game. And uh, just sitting there, and I'm looking, looking down at my three kids, and I'm thinking, wow, God has been so good to me. He's, he's, he still chose to bless me, uh, even though I'm living this, this double life that, that I know is disappointing to him. And uh, it just really broke my heart that day to think of how dangerous things had become. And if... You know, if, if one life ever saw the other, it would have just fell, everything would have fell apart. But that day, I repented of my sinful life and I told God I would no longer serve two masters, no longer live two lives. When you tell God you'll do something, that's referred to as a vow. Let's look at what the Bible says about making a vow. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 4 through 7 says, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Since that day in 2014, my assurance and my salvation has been unshakable. I no longer have to doubt, nor can I be made doubt my salvation. Is there a chance that you have made a vow to God and delayed keeping it? We're told here not to do that, to not delay paying. So that brings up point number three. Point number three, the key to your assurance can and will be obedience. I have, uh, uh, I thought about telling the two stories of guys that had come to me within the last month. Uh, you know, the Lord's blessed me now that I try to live for him. He's blessed me to allow, to allow me to get to help some other folks. Um, and while I see them grow, I get to, I get to grow myself. But, um, you know, these were two very good friends, professed followers of Christ, um, actually men that I had looked up to. And, and both of them confessed to me about a hidden sin. Uh, one was a deacon in his church, 
and and the other I consider probably to be the the most well-read, self-educated Bible scholar. Um, if everybody knows those, but uh, he's really sharp. And if if I run into something on the Bible, I'll call him. And man, he just he just knows you know the, the scripture so well. But uh, they had both not intentionally come to me to tell me what they had been doing, but they, uh, you know, it, it come out in conversation, you know, through me sharing my assurance and how I didn't have to doubt my assurance. And, uh, you know, a lot of times that doubt, that doubt's the Lord working on you. It's uh, something, uh, you know, the, the Holy Spirit can make things pretty clear to you. It can, it can bring things up. And if you're seeking Christ, He'll make it clear whether it's a sin or not. But uh, in in both of their stories, it was just one thing, kind of like one bite of for, forbidden fruit. Uh, it was the one thing that was holding them from a relationship with God. Just you know, you hear people say, "Well, I I've been praying, but I just don't think the Lord's hearing me." And uh, if you ever find yourself in that position, you're not a victim. Uh, you, you need to look at your own personal relationship with God and sort that out. You need to come to Pastor Mike or Pastor Mike or uh, Pastor Mike or, <laughs> you know, any, any of the men here in the church. That's one thing I've really been impressed with at, at this church is everybody... For the most part, everybody seems to be pretty obedient individuals, and honestly, that's that's why me and my family's here. Uh, I want uh, I want my children and my wife to see what I see in in you guys. So uh, I really do really do appreciate that. But um, so the Bible tells us to trust and obey. One thing that I found very helpful and keep is is keeping a, a praise journal called a prayer journal. Men probably don't want to call it a diary, uh, but you know, I, I have records of times that I felt God's presence. I can go back and I can see the dates and I can remember those things because we don't remember everything. Um, you know, I've been blessed to see God heal my sick child so clearly that, you know, it was an answer to a prayer that was written in my journal that I had prayed for seven years. Uh, you know that, that that God would do that for us, and um, <clears throat> you know I can go back and I can see those prayers. Uh, it helps me feel you know God's presence, His power, and uh, uh, you know just getting to go back to those notes. And uh, you know I, I strongly recommend that you start doing some type of journaling. Uh, if you think about all the Gospels, those are, those are those guys' written accounts of their experience with God. So why should you, you know, you should keep a journal as well. Um, and a lot of times you look back and realize that God has answered your prayers. Here's, here's one prayer in particular from, from my, my prayer journal. Uh, October 16th, 2019. I recorded this prayer. Lord, I'm cautious of everything that leaves my mouth. 
Today my heart is in heavy conviction. I'm afraid I have allowed my family to hang in the balance. It is not always to see clearly where we stand. I'm sure it would be easier to become completely obedient or sold out for you once my children are raised, once I have our finances in order, once I have accomplished a few more things that I have always wanted to do. I want to be all in now. I no longer want to wait. I want my wife and children to be all in as well. Lord, show me how to be all in. I'm not sure what this will mean or where it may take us. I pray my wife and kids will be all in with me. Lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And uh, I like going. That's one of the ones I like to go back to um, because I've I've seen God work work in my life since then, uh, more and more. You know, the, the asking you shall receive, and uh, you know we're told to pray and and to ask God to help us. So that's a. Uh, uh, You know, a, a, an interesting answer to that prayer. Uh, a, a few months later, in January of 2020, a pastor friend of mine, uh, Garen Hill, he's. I was just sharing what was on my my mind and you know in my heart, and we were talking, and he said, "You know," he said, "You need to speak to David Webb." So uh, I called up David Webb. And I talked to him. David, David is the founder of United Christian Missions. And uh, after talking with David that morning, we we kind of broke we broke huddle, saying that we were going to spend one month, and we were going to pray for direction on how we should proceed, uh, because David and Nancy had been looking for a secession plan to take over their ministry. And uh, uh, David's in his 70s now, and he just would like for somebody to know all the things uh, that uh, uh, that they do in order for them to be able to carry on their mission. But uh, uh, so I guess pray pray for us because Jan January of next year I will uh, be the I will step into the role, the presidential role of that ministry, and uh, uh, I'm just amazed over and over again that you know God would use somebody like me uh, with a with a past like like I've got you know all the times that I have disappointed him, but uh, God is awesome, and uh, I'm so relieved I don't ever have to doubt my my salvation. I'm so happy I I don't have to continue to lie to myself. Allow the devil to deceive me into taking a false assurance based on someone's checklist. So if you've made a profession of faith, if you've prayed to accept Jesus into your heart, if you've vowed something to him and have not paid, this is a good time. It's, it's time to humble yourself to pray. Open your eyes to the battle going on in this world. Ask God to use you. Isn't that actually what we mean? When we say the things that we say, you know, I, I give my heart to Jesus. I've surrendered my life. Well, you are you really giving somebody something if you don't let them use it? And I think that's a that's a big question we have to ask ourselves over and over again. Have, 
am I allowing God to use me? Um, you know, try that with a kid at Christmas time and see how that works out. Hey, you know, you've been wanting this, but don't use it. Um, so, it's just hard to grasp how something so simple seems like it has split so many. Um, aside from sin, what else could be holding you back from a relationship with God? We have to continually take inventory. God, God prunes us. He grows us. Um, I believe many of us are kept from a relationship with God because we are either afraid or ashamed. Um, just afraid or ashamed to be obedient. We, we don't want to everybody to see us. Or um, what, will, you know, what would they think? Second Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Romans 1.16 also says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes. So that brings up point four. Do not be ashamed or afraid. In reality, I think when we're talking about sharing our faith or doing something for God, that to be ashamed or to be afraid, in most cases, are the same thing. At least, at least here in the United States, because uh, what do we really have to fear here, as far as if if we're serving the Lord? Now, in other countries, that's totally different, um, and we see that you know with the, with the India partners and things like that. That hey, persecution's real, um, but. What we have here in the United States is not persecution. So I think the, the primary uh, the primary barrier for most of us is we're ashamed. I think we're ashamed of what we got. Uh, so uh, I think that's something we all need to chew on a little bit this week. And uh, uh, you know, when we're, we're you're coming up to something that you can do for the Lord, it's it, it, it's good to have some scripture laid back. Uh, but so, it takes me to my, my, my last thought today. And I, it's not about opinions of Jordan Peterson or his, his salvation. It's more about just what he, what he said. Uh, he was in, a, in an interview, and, and the interviewer asked me, he said, he asked him if he believed in God. And, and Jordan Peterson's response was, I act as if God exists, which is actually my definition of belief. And I think that's, that, man, that just keeps going over and over in my head. I, I act as if God exists, which is actually my definition of belief. So that brought up a, you know, that brought up the question, you know, to me, do you act or do I act as if God exists? Do I act as if God exists at work? Do I act as if God exists at home? Do I act as if God exists at school? Another question. Do, do you understand how awesome God is because you have felt his amazing presence and seen him work in your life. 
Another question. Do you, do you feel it deep in your being when you do something that disappoints God? And no, no, but nobody's perfect. And everybody's going to disappoint God from time to time. But, but, but when you do something against God's will, there should be something inside of you. Holy Spirit. Even, even the evilest person knows when they do something wrong. So don't don't deceive yourself about sin because sin sin is real and sin needs to be called sin. But so if if you cannot answer yes to these questions, there's a strong chance that you lack assurance. There's a good chance that you have failed to identify sin as sin and devoted to complete destruction, like God told the people of Israel at the time when they came to take the promised land. Like David, after defeating Goliath, taking the next step to make sure the job was done by cutting off Goliath's head. Some may look at you and say, was that completely necessary? And absolutely, because, because I, I serve an amazing and holy God. I can't afford to allow anything to come between us. You don't have to raise your hand or run the aisle, but you do need to pray. Pray to God. Ask Him for the courage to be obedient. Ask him to guide and direct you. Most importantly, tell him that you are willing to obey in order to have a relationship with him. That's, that's very important. Please realize that if you lack assurance today, you may lack salvation. If, if you go around claiming to be saved, but there are areas in your life that don't tell others that you're saved, you can cause great damage to Christian faith. I've done that. Don't risk leaving those you meet with a lesser view of God because of your actions and behaviors. Don't decrease the likelihood of them seeking a relationship with our Lord and Savior because you have one little sin that you can't seem to shake. Do you have a clear Christian identity? Once again, the Bible tells us simply to trust and obey. The lay preacher told young Charles Spurgeon, Young man, look to Jesus Christ. Look, look, look. You have nothing to do but look and live. Let's go over our key points. <clears throat> Leading people to Christ isn't reserved for the ordained. It's a responsibility of everyone who believes. Number two, everyone needs to come to the realization that God wants you to share your story. Number three, the key to your assurance will be obedience to God's word. And number four, don't be ashamed or afraid when it comes to serving God. And I started to allude to this earlier and then I remembered I had it at the end. But uh, Romans 1.16, we just read it. And um, that, that's been really helpful for me in times where I get an opportunity like this, um, that, I, that I have that stored away in, in my mind. And uh, so again, you know, Romans, 6, Romans 1, 16 says, for, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of all those who believe. 
This is one of the things that gives me strength when um, when I'm a little scared. But that's all I got. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord, this opportunity. Um, Lord, I appreciate the church allowing me to stand up here and share my testimony. Uh, Lord, help us all not to ever be ashamed and afraid. Help us, uh, help me and everyone here to have the courage to be obedient. Help us see your awesome power and presence in our lives. Lord, help us to be humble servants. Help us to reach the lost. Lord, we ask you to watch over and protect us. Lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at servantsway.com or email us at office at servantsway.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.